This is the Elevate Your 8 podcast, episode 11. Today, we talk time management and priorities from a military perspective. This is a super fascinating episode, so I can't wait for you guys to dig into it. You're listening to the Elevate Your 8 podcast, where we firmly believe that time management and productivity is just a matter of simple mathematics and prioritization. Productivity guru and self-care ninja, Chris McPeak, will debunk your biggest time management limiting beliefs. It's time to hear from everyday people like you, sharing their tips and strategies for success and learning how you can incorporate small changes in your life in order to make the most of every hour in your day. If you're ready to prioritize, synthesize, and realize your daily needs and wants, you are in the right place. Here's your host, author, educator, and karaoke queen, Chris McPeak. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to a fun-filled and interesting episode of the Elevate Your 8 podcast. I'm your host, Chris McPeak, and today I have a super special guest, and we're going to talk a little bit about time management and productivity from a completely different career field. Um, We're going to get into what the military folks do when they are trying to manage work, life, and, and all of the things in between. Um, before we get started, I just want to remind you that we have a fantastic community on Facebook called Career Changers Mastermind, and it's a free group which you can join by going to silverpeakdevelopment.com forward slash community and come join us today. All right, we are talking today to Lieutenant Colonel Leanne Pruitt, who is stationed in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Good morning, Colonel Pruitt. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm outstanding. Um, Can you just fill us in a little bit about what you do for the Army over there in Leavenworth? And and, uh, yeah, what do they have you do on a day-to-day basis out there? So right now I'm uh, an instructor at the Commanded General Staff College, and I teach primarily joint operations, joint planning, and my career field, which is information operations. So that's what I, that's what I teach right now. I have a, a class of 16 field grade officer students, and we'll move from the core curriculum and then move into advanced operating curriculum in the, in the winter. And then I teach um, the military deception elective. So that's what my current job is in the military. And you've been an Army officer for how long now? Almost 20 years. I will hit my 20-year mark uh, next March. So that's my uh, official date that I'll be eligible to retire. Wow. Oh, to retire. And Colonel Pruitt, in the spirit of true and total transparency, how else do you and I know each other? Well, you're my big sister. (laughs) I'm your baby sister. I'm not allowed to call you that anymore. I get in trouble. I'm 44. It's okay. Colonel Pruitt is my youngest sister and a a huge source of motivation and inspiration for me. So um, can I call you Annie now or do you still want to call me? Please call me Annie. (laughs) Colonel Pruitt, sorry. Okay, Annie, let's start. I I sent some questions to you because I wanted you to be able to to share, um, really to get for folks to get a sense out there of what um, military personnel deal with because you guys live a completely separate life than us civilians, um, knowing good and well that that something could happen and, and you could get called to go defend the country. And, and I think like 
that's um, that's taking on call <laughs> to a completely different level. Um, <laughs> says me having come from a housing housing and residence life background. Okay, so Annie, um, tell the listeners how you landed in your career. Where did you start, and how did you get where you are right now? I like this story, so um, I will tell you. Uh, I joined the National Guard when I was seventeen. Um, I had wanted to join the National Guard because our brother. Mike, who is five years older than me, um, had come home from his military training, and I couldn't wait to play with his gear and <laughs> talk to him about, you know, what he did. And as I approached, you know, the going to college and realized what the military offered, you know, people that wanted to, there was a student loan repayment program, and then the Montgomery GI Bill. So there was a lot of a, a lot of assistance that would help me get through college. So joined the National Guard at 17 and did that for eight years. So got me through, went through college doing my one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer. Um, after college, I realized that I actually looked forward to my drill weekends more than I did my regular job. And I just loved the, I loved the structure and the organization of the weekend drills. I knew what the expectations were. I knew what my, what I was supposed to do when I got there. Um, and I was talking with, our other sister, Jenny, um, who had just come off active duty military at the time, and she suggested that I go to officer candidate school. Uh, that's an 11-week program at Fort Benning that commissions do as an officer. And it just, it just made sense, and it, it, that's what I wanted to do. And that's when I realized that I wanted the military as a career. So, um, so yeah, that, that kicked off in November of 2000, and I've been on active duty military ever since. And here I thought you were going to become this famous poet and uh, do readings at bookstores in college towns with coffee and incense. That, that yes. totally didn't happen. Really not. Not at all. Um, didn't, if, I, if memory serves, like you're my sister, so I should remember this, but you and Jenny went um, to basic training and PLDC at the same time in the same places, right? So we went to basic training uh, the first summer, and then it was called a split option for college students. The following summer, we went to advanced individual training. So we were medics. We were trained as medics. That's what our National Guard unit did. And she and I were in the same National Guard unit for those first three years. And then Jenny decided to go active duty. And so she went off to Germany, and I stayed in college and finished college and got a the best job I could find out of college in a college town. Um, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed my, I enjoyed my work, but um, it certainly wasn't a career. And it certainly wasn't getting me anywhere. Um, so yeah, that's when I made that change. And you were eating a lot of carbs. Didn't you work I in a bakery? I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved that job. It just, there was no health insurance. So, you know. Oh yeah. No, health insurance is imperative, especially when you want to have kids. We'll talk about that later. Yes. Um, okay, so my second question for you, Annie, is how did being a soldier, an officer in particular, teach you how to prioritize your time? Okay. And I'm thinking specifically about um, reporting time, policies, procedure, things of that nature, because you guys have a code, and, and you have to be where you have to be when you have to be there. So how does that all right. work for you? Um, I kind of have this uh, in two phases. So I'll just kind of talk about like before kids um, and then after kids. Nice. So, um, before kids, you know, people, you know, not making the, your job, your life, you know, staying in the office 18 hours a day. I wasn't one of those types of people, but 
Um, in the Army, we, we operate on, on training calendars, uh, short range planning and long range planning calendars. Um, usually, um, the longer you spend your time as a planner, the better you get at it. So that's, I do a lot, in, initially I did a lot with training schedules and learning how to structure you know, your duty day, you, and then you know, two weeks out, four weeks out, what you're doing. So there's expectation of knowing what you're supposed to do. And that, that is kind of a, a policy is having training schedules locked in place six weeks prior to execution. Um, and you become very good at backwards planning, um, which is, helps when, when you think about goal setting. Um, and this is, this is translated throughout my entire life now. And, and the longer I've done it, the better I've gotten at it. And that's learning to, you know, you set a goal and then how, how am I going to get there and backwards plan? A lot of the activities that I plan in the military, that's how, I, that's how we do them. Um, being on time, uh, timeliness is, is critical in the military. And you would think that uh, um, it would be the same for any career field. But <clears throat> in, the, in the military, with uh, timing being critical, um, you never miss movement. You, you know, if you miss movement, then... Uh, I, I want to tell you what the repercussions would be, um, <laughs> but I've always kind of kept the, the philosophy of if you're not 10 minutes early, then you're 10, 10 minutes late. Um, and that's how I've, that's how planning has kind of been for me. Um, after kids, the earlier years was probably the, the time in my life when I struggled the most with prioritizing time with getting kids to daycare. Um, and then also in my career, the expectations of an officer became more demanding. Um, and then the Iraq deployment happened and life took on a whole new meaning. Um, and then after that, the Afghanistan deployment. So after those deployments, now prioritizing my time um, when I'm at work, I'm at work and I, and I work and I get my job done and I go home. Um, I don't, I have a, a five minute BS meter, meaning if you wanna come to my desk and talk to me, you can stand there for five minutes and then you have to go away because I have work to do. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so when I leave at the end of the day, um, you know, other people may sit around and say, oh, I still got so much work to do. Well, that's because you spent three hours walking around talking and, and BSing. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I prioritize my time. When I'm at work, I, I work and I work hard. Do you keep the door open or do you close the door? <laughs> I haven't had a private office. <laughs> um, I've never had a private office. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So the BS meter is, is imperative to ensuring that you can focus on your stuff because you can't. Very much so. That and headphones or earbuds. Got it. Mm -hmm. You said backwards planning <clears throat> a little while ago. And I think I, I think I understand what you're saying. I think I just say it a different way. So in Chris speak, um, that would be, I have the date of my event that's happening and then I'm working backwards to decide when it is I'm supposed to start and when the key planning points are happening. Is that Absolutely. what you Okay, perfect. That's kind of what I thought. Okay. Um, okay, so we're talking about kids, so let's segue over into family. You and your spouse both happen to be in the military and in the same branch as well. So does this make it easier to prioritize tasks at home and at work? And then how do you navigate the Emily and David, those dear, those dear children of yours. Um, so I'll break this out into two parts as well. One, the military, you're getting assigned to the same, to the same location. Um, there's a, we're, we're in the, what's called the um, 
married army couples program. So our assignment officers do their best to make sure that we're stationed at the same place at the same time. Keith and I are just very, very lucky that um, our careers have lined up to where we can do that. Um, now, he outranks me uh, and it, in the military typically, and this is kind of uh, not official, and this is my opinion, but um, one career has to take precedence because one job may be more critical than the other. So, sure. you know, when he was in command, command is, uh, um, um, command is a, the highest honor of the job that you can have in the military. Okay. So that was the most important, probably the most important job he, he's had. Um, so, and I've always been a staff officer and I always will be a staff officer. So uh, my job, I will take what position I can get at the same location. So just put that out there. Uh, when it comes to planning, I think what makes it work for us is that we speak the same language um, and we plan the same way, we're trained the same way. We both use the military decision-making process for everything that we do. Um, when we're on vacation, we, we review our plan five times before we depart <laughs> where we're going. Um, uh, the military is its own culture, so it, and it has its own language, and we're just lucky that we understand each other. Um, sure. The good, the bad days, we know what's going on, um, and how that's, made our, how that's affected our kids. Um, this is the life that they know, so mm -hmm. they understand backwards planning and they understand military culture uh, and I think we're actually closer as a family because of it um, when you think about how normal I'm gonna say normal my children are normal but how normal kids are raised you know in the same hometown they go to the same school mm -hmm. uh, until they graduate with the same kids whereas Emily and David have moved with me and Keith every two to three years and, mm -hmm. and you know the, they have friends and they've stay friends with people you know thanks to social media but it's not the same mm -hmm. and therefore they're kind of stuck being my best friend and it kind of works um i love so <laughs> yes my, my daughter's listening to me right now hi um, Anne. yeah Hello. so yeah it gets easier as, as my career's gone on and uh, and it gets easier as they've gotten older but um we're we've become very, very close as a family because of it. I love that. You said that you plan your vacations according to your, the military planning outline or whatever. So yes, I have to have an, I have to have a, play, a training play that out for me. You told me the other day that you're, is this a secret Keith's birthday? No, trip? no that's okay. not a secret. So you're taking Keith to do the Kentucky Derby in May. Well, today's, yes. It's December, so we're like six months out, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the, how'd you plot out the, the vacation? What was the, the planning? Oh, yeah, in August, I made our hotel reservations. Um, okay, wow. Yeah. And then I got on the email, uh, email notification for when you could, the, or, or to buy the tickets. So I got them before they went on sale to the general public. Amazing. Um, and I had to, I had to do that in, in August. So the planning actually started in August. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Are you going to buy a big hat? Cause you are going to the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. I kind of want to steampunk it. Yeah. That'll be very fun. I want to be a cross between, I want to be like a steampunk Audrey Hepburn. Nice. Yeah. We'll see how that goes, but I don't want to see, we're going to be in the stands, the grandstands. And I just think there's something irresponsible about, wear, about wearing a big hat in the grandstands because you're going to block the view of the person behind you. So, That's true. Yeah. 
I guess you'll just have to stick to the mint julep. Yep. Yeah. Well, I wore the hat. I'll just take it off for the race. Got it. Um, okay. So we were talking about your amazing kids. What are they able to teach you about prioritization of time and schedules and that kind of stuff? I've, what they've learned from me is that you have to give yourself enough time for whatever it is that you're doing, whatever activity it is. And just like for the day itself, when you wake up in the morning, get done, get yourself ready. And then if you have time left over, then you can piddle around and, and do what you piddle on your phone or, or Insta chat or, you know, snap grammar or whatever she wants, <laughs> you know, whatever they want to do. Um, but they're, they're both, you know, they're 14 and 12, they're in eighth and seventh grade, and they're, they're now learning about competing demands um, and prioritizing tasks and keeping track of obligations. So now's the time when they, they do, they are starting to understand um, how to manage your life in a way. There's a lot of, I, I, I'm not a, a, the quote unquote soccer mom that takes them to activities for three hours every day, but right. they're, you know, they do band they do some sports, they do um, youth groups. Um, so there's different, there's a lot of activities that they're in, involved in. So they have to know, they have to know what's going on that day. So they have to review the schedule for the day and know what they have going on and know what their, know what their priorities are. I think that's probably the most, thing, most important thing. And that's, you know, when you come home, you get your homework done and then that's the most important. So they learn about, they learn about prioritizing and that with that comes giving yourself the time to, to get your tasks done. Emily, did I say that right? <laughs> did I say that right? Yeah, she's nodding. Okay, so yeah, you mentioned prioritization and I think um, that's huge for me because I think that's the main reason why people who say I don't have enough time in the day to do stuff, it has nothing to do with the time in the day. That's all the same. It has to do with the way they're prioritizing and, and choosing the things that they wanna do. And I talk about that whole black hole like of your phone, item mm -hmm. one, because yes. you can get sucked into the scroll, if you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't end. And then before you know it, you've wasted an hour and you're behind or you're late. Right. Something like that. So, yeah, that's prioritization is huge for me and, uh, and the whole elevate your eight concept. Yes. Um, oh, okay. screen, screen time management is... Um, and setting time limits. I like that there's these new features on the iPhone that lets you do that and that that's lets right. you monitor screen time better than, than before. Um, so that's been, that's, it's for some, I think it's probably more eye opening when they realize that they've done, you know, social media apps for however many hours a day. Right. So yeah, people, you have no excuses when you spend three hours on social media. It is so true. It yes. Or binge watching, like set a limit. I'm going to do yes. three episodes and then I'm going to go back and do my laundry mm -hmm. or I'm going to do two episodes and then I'm going to go for a run, et cetera. Yes. Oh, we do a chore. If we're going to, if we're going to do a binge watch, then you do a chore in between. Nice. Yeah. Awesome sauce. Okay. We do binge watch. You have to. It happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You guys are very active pop culture. Uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm looking for enthusiasts enthusiasts yes I was going to say something about eating and food but um the word wasn't coming to me at all and we just talked yesterday about cult classics and 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 movies and things of that nature which you know that mm -hmm. could be a whole other topic of a podcast and yes I, I should have you back on in a month I'm going to do a holiday movie special with my friend Doug Ferguson mm -hmm. um and so maybe we'll make it a 
make it a three-way conversation and we can okay. debate our favorite holiday movies. Um, my next question for you is how do you take, how do you carve time specifically for yourself? Where does any time work into the mix and, and what does that look like for you? Um, I don't waste time. So I'm deliberate about um, if I'm going to sit and binge watch, I, I, it's, a, it's a purposeful decision of, um, so I'm, how do I carve the time? I, I, I don't waste it. So I can, I'll say that. I, I don't, um, I don't know how else to put it. I, I know about balance um, and I've been mm -hmm. talking to people about balance for a long time. So I think that's where I don't let myself go down the rabbit hole of, of wasting time and just being deliberate. And, and uh, I was going to take, take it, I don't know how much in your podcast you talk about, but you know, self-realization of you know, knowing yourself and, and being yeah. aware of yourself. So um, I'm very aware uh, and I'm very deliberate about everything that I do. Um, and I think now, now that I'm a little bit older and kind of on the, you know, on the verge of culminating my military career, but I thought about it. Um, I wasn't always as uh, self-assured with how I was spending my time. Um, I think being a little more confident in, in what I'm doing um, has made it easier for me to prioritize my time and carve time for myself. So I went through a, a long period of what I, called I was in a perpetual state of failure because if I was succeeding as a mother then I was failing as a soldier if I was being a great wife then I was being a horrible mom so uh, I finally learned that um, I'm actually pretty good at all three and it but it took me a while to get there um, and that has a knowing that and being you know being realizing that about myself uh, carving time and making time and prioritizing my time becomes very very easy that is fascinating, and I wish I'd caught you on something that you said earlier in that statement, because I thought it was brilliant, and in my head I was thinking, like, is that something that Annie Pruitt, the soldier, does, or is that something that Annie Pruitt, the woman, does, and now I totally don't remember what it was that you said, but it was brilliant. I'm going to have to think about that. Okay. Um, but I also think that's very self-aware about this concept, your state of perpetual failure, and thinking that it's hard to navigate being good at one thing and not being good at something else so mm -hmm. how did you how did you crawl out of that funk so to speak and and start like feeling better about the way you were approaching all these different phases of your life um it actually came through and i kind of mentioned this to you earlier but it, it came through i i started doing a mentorship uh, and spouse panel for military yeah. spouses because i'm also a military spouse um there are some some women that that becomes their you know their full-time job is being mm -hmm. a military spouse so it came through mentoring them and talking to them about how to how to behave appropriately um, and how to handle the mix because it is the, that's a demanding uh it's a volunteer position to be the um a senior advisor senior family readiness advisor for a battalion or a squadron you're talking about 600 soldiers um that's a lot of yeah, okay. to be aware, but talking to them about how to manage uh, expectations of that, uh, and then realizing that um, I was actually pretty pretty darn good at my juggling act and of knowing which hat I was wearing at the time, um, and that was the biggest part. So through mentoring others, I learned more about myself. 
Awesome. Mentorship is very important. Yeah. Oh, I would totally agree with you on that. Um, oh, it just makes me so proud to have this conversation. Sorry, everybody. The dog is in the background yeah. and we're trying to yes. figure out a way to have yeah. the dog go outside or something of that nature. Yes, that's, that was my body language. But that's, that was beautiful. I loved it. <laughs> there was, you guys couldn't see this, but there was some very direct um, eye contact towards that side of the room and some <laughs> finger pointing and some snapping. It was yes. glorious. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to talk about it today. Maybe we make it the subject of a second um, interview and you come back, but I know that you weren't always this trainer. Um, you used to be a protocol officer, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes, I did. I love that. And, um, did you get to choose the transition between that post and what you're doing now? Like, how does that happen? No, at the time uh, I got selected to be that, um, I was working as a supply platoon leader, uh, for a forward support battalion. So providing logistics for um, about a brigade combat team of about 4,000 people. So that's what I was doing. Primarily doing um, aerial delivery. So setting up drop zones for airplanes to, to parachute in loads of, uh, of supplies. Um, and then also sling loading. Uh, so dropping supplies from the bottom of the helicopter. So that's the type of work I was doing. And I was notified that I was one of three people that were nominated to take the position as a protocol officer. Nice. And I tried and I said, I don't want to go do that. Let me keep doing my job. But in the military, it's, it's important for, you know, development of officers that you do other jobs. So I went up and interviewed with this highly, highly intimidating, um, but ended up being just a wonderful person um, who is also now the uh, superintendent of West Point, General Caslin. Oh, had wow. With, uh, at the time, Colonel Caslin, and he was one of the nicest people that I'd ever met, but I was scared to death of him. So that's how I came into that job. Okay. Well, will you come back to the show later and we'll talk about career change in that facet? Because I think that would be fantastic. Um, yes, I've been has... transitioning a lot of jobs. So yeah. Yes. All right, sweet. So we'll plan for, we'll plan for that. Um, and Colonel Pruitt will be back, you guys. Very exciting. Um, all right, this is my final question, and this is the question that everybody gets asked pretty much on this show. Um, and I'm the one that understands it the best. You are. Well, actually, I'm going to, Doug, my friend Doug Ferguson is, is up there pretty close, so um, you have a little competition there, my, my sweet sister. Just remember, I'm the one that introduced you. Touche, this is true, I stand corrected, <laughs> and damn the man. Okay. All right, so... Annie, according to Liv Tyler and Empire Records, there are 24 usable hours in every day. Other than making cupcakes for your Rex Manning Day party, if you could wake up tomorrow and suddenly have a 25th hour, how would you spend that hour? I thought about this for a long time, so I have two, two courses of action. Um, I would, if I could, take those hours and accumulate them and take a vacation, and I would travel because I love to travel. That's like my number one thing and take my kids on new experiences. Um, I would, in one hour, if I had an extra hour, I would, either, I would either go on a date with my husband or I would hang out and do something with my kids. Because when it comes down to it, I genuinely just want to spend time with my family and I want to give my kids an amazing life and let them experience everything. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, everything that I didn't get to experience mm -hmm. um, as, a, as a kid. So 
and I love my husband dearly and I would love to go out on a date with him whenever is possible. So that's what I would do with my extra hour. I love it. That is fantastic. So where are those kids? Um, they, they're taking the dogs out. Oh, they're taking the dogs out now. Okay. Do they want to yeah. come over and say hi or? Yes, they will. They'll, they'll be right back. Okay. Fantastic. So, um, you are actually on holiday today, sort of, uh, right? Well, a federal day of, yes, it's, it's a federal holiday. Yes. yes. We're missing the, I think we're missing the funeral right now. In fact. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, Listeners, we're recording this episode on the National Day of Mourning for former President George H.W. Bush. And if you work for the federal government, you completely have the day off, and that would include all of our military branches, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and most of the schools are out today as well. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that community colleges in Southern California are, are not. Okay. <laughs> I'm at work. And I think also there's no mail today, but I think the banks are open. Okay. This is probably not really important. Um, so when they come back. Okay, they're back. Hey, kiddos. Oh. Come here. Um. All right, friends. So here, these are my, my niece and nephew, guys. So David, say hello. Hi. That's David. How old are you, little man? Uh, 12. And what are your hobbies? Um, I like to practice this little dance, but I can't show you it right now. And you're in? Oh, I like video games. I like to... What else do I like to draw? Yeah, I really like to draw. He sometimes animate and... Yeah. I also like Nerf guns like a lot. Nerf war. Yeah, me and mom almost always have Nerf wars every day. Awesome. And uh, my, my nephew David is an exceptional artist. He drew this beautiful picture of me and him and Emily walking to the beach and I had purple hair and it was just adorable. I still yeah. have that photo. I'm gonna make that my new cover photo on Facebook again. Okay. M, just had a birthday girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. yep. you're, four, you're 14. Yes. How the hell did that happen? Well, you see, 14 years ago, I was born. Oh, it's sass. See, she's sassing me. I'm getting sass. That's, the, that's her father. Em, um, what are your hobbies, my dear? I really like to draw and talk to my friends. So those are two of the only things I like to do. But you're like active in sports too, right? Oh, yes. I, I, the basketball season just finished, but I did basketball, and I'm also in the drama department in my school. What about uh, volleyball? Don't you play volleyball? Oh, no, I didn't. She's the softball. She's oh. the softball. I, if I were to pick her best sport, I would say it's softball. Okay. Mom was a volleyball player and a basketball player. It's, it's a different, okay, it's a different world yeah. today. Yeah. With, with kids and sporting. Because if you don't have your kid on a traveling league team by the time you're eight, forget. Not gonna... <laughs> so wow. we, that's not the type of commitment that I wanted to make to to one thing. I wanted them to do a lot of different things. So she plays the clarinet right now, and she she plays the ukulele. He plays percussion. They do a lot of different things, but they've been, I've tried to expose them to a lot of different things in life. Yeah. Yeah. David, what's your favorite thing to do with your mom? 
Nerf War. Nerf War? Nerf War. Or just go shopping. And shopping. And watch some movies. Um, Popcorn in a movie? Yes. Emily likes to cook and bake with, with me. Yeah. Yeah, She's a, she bakes her own birthday cake this year. Yeah, and um, you guys have special baking needs, right? You don't eat regular flour because everything gluten-free, right? Yep. I yes. need to learn a good thing or two from you guys about going gluten-free. So yeah. that's that's the plan. That's for our, for our next for our next vacation together. We're gonna we're gonna do all gluten-free things. Good. How's that? All right, so Auntie Chris is going to go back to her day job, but we're going to wrap up the show right now. So I'm going to say a super, super thanks to Lieutenant Colonel Leanne Pruitt. I call her Annie because she's my youngest sister, and I've got my niece, Emily, and my nephew, David. Um, it's a family affair here on the Elevate Your 8 podcast. What can I say? Um, we'll have Lieutenant Pruitt back in a few weeks. We're going to talk about career change and... Uh, and we'll go from there. So I just want to say everybody have a fantastic week and elevators. I'm out of here. Do you find yourself going to bed at night and wondering where all your time went? Do you get to Sunday evening and say, I didn't get anything done this weekend. Do you look at your to-do list and freak out because you don't know how you'll get any of it done? If you answered yes to any of these things, then you need a time budget. I mean, you don't squander your paycheck before you pay your bills, right? So why are you treating your time the same way? I've got a free resource for you to break out of the time crunches and start budgeting your time like you budget your finances. Go to silverpeakdevelopment.com forward slash time budget and get your free workbook today.